You're listening to Mixed, Tapes, Feelings, and Drinks. Gabe and Nick introduce each other to songs that are dear to them. We dive into these songs to help add more meaning and overall enjoyment to their listening experience. All, of course, while enjoying some sublime mixed drinks. Welcome to the first Double Shot episode. I am Nick. I'm Gabe. And today we're talking about music featured in movies or television that has had a very strong impact on us. Nick, do you like movies? I've been known to dabble in movies, I suppose. And you like music, right? (laughs) I guess I've listened to a few tunes in my day. Yeah, of course I love movies. I have a podcast uh, separate from this called Nick Flicks and Chill, where I talk about my favorite movies and other people's favorite movies. And I have a wall of Blu-rays and DVDs to prove it. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've seen pictures of that. Yeah, dude. I'm like so excited to have people over to show my collection off. (laughs) I know you like, we've talked about movies. You've yeah, been on my podcast. Yeah, but I don't like movies that much. Mm-hmm. You don't rewatch them. No, not really. Like yeah. just a few and not for really good reasons. Like I watch The Goonies a lot. Right. But that's not because it's a great movie. It's just. Nostalgia. Yeah. And love just makes me feel a certain kind of way. And uh, oh, the music in Goonies. That is a soundtrack. I almost picked uh, something Cindy from Lopper? the Goonies. No, it's like the weird, like, dun, 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 oh, dun, yeah. Like the little descending the, uh, synth. Yeah, thing yeah, yeah. It's very kind of like, comes through the movie. Kind of like um, a dreamy, mm-hmm. I guess is how you would describe very it. Very 80s. Like a synth trying to mimic a triangle or, tri- a, or like the tubular wind, bells. wind chime. Yeah, tubular bells, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's very very 80s i i didn't pick that though i picked now that i'm thinking about it, i picked everything that i picked is very sad <laughs> <laughs> i picked a mixed bag honestly with mine i got some honorable mentions that aren't too sad what's one of your songs do you think you would want to share with me um i haven't listened to it my first one when you proposed this topic was it first came to mind was ennio morricone I don't know if I'm pronouncing the title this right, but Gula Testa. Gula Testa? Yeah. What's this from? It's from Duck You Sucker. It's a spaghetti western. It was one of Sergio Leone's last spaghetti westerns he did. Oh. But I always love Ennio Morricone's soundtracks. He obviously did The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Like the, right. A lot of really good other ones, too. You showed me that movie. Oh, yeah? Remember? Yeah, yeah. We had that I almost, night. I almost showed Duck You Sucker, and then I chickened out because <laughs> Duck You Sucker is a real 70s movie. <laughs> Let me tell what you what. What do you what. mean? There's... It's... It just... This song kind of like goes with it because it's such an upbeat, happy song, but it the dissonance of showing it with like really bad things happening is um, part of why I like it, why I think it works, and it's kind of changed me into like just looking for that in soundtracks and really loving the dissonance between a upbeat song or an odd choice and just a really down part of a movie. Mm-hmm. While this part's playing, long story short, there's a betrayal. A friend betrays the one of the main characters. They're both in Ireland and um, part of the IRA. So the friend betrays the one guy and they're like brothers. And um, that's happening at this point. And the guy who betrays him, his name is Sean. Mm-hmm. So through the whole movie, you hear like the Sean, Sean, Sean. Oh. 
this this song, by the way, does not is not like portraying anything no. you're saying. No, exactly. Which is like somehow why I think it works. Yeah. And you kind of you have to see it, but I don't know if I'd recommend seeing it. <laughs> you have to see it, but I wouldn't <laughs> recommend you actually seeing it. It's oh a spaghetti western. Yeah, I love his stuff. I love how weird it gets, too. This is, like, one of the least weird songs that he's done for a a soundtrack. And I find myself looking for that more. I I just kind of, like, tune out soundtracks that are just there to be tuned out. Mm -hmm. But when one comes along that's meant to be a center point and move the story along, I really latch onto that. And that's what Ennio Morricone does a lot of the time. This, this movie is like if an Italian guy made an anime <laughs> in the 70s about wow. the Mexican Revolution. Wow. Okay. Because one guy, the main character is a Mexican bandit. And he teams up with a guy fleeing Ireland who's a demolitions expert in the IRA <laughs> riding a motorcycle through Mexico. Wow. And their names are Juan and John. And then the guy who ends up betraying one of the characters' name is Sean. <laughs> so I think that plays into the song. Okay. That was really pretty. Uh man. I love the format of this podcast. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> because it's so rare to like spend time with a friend and like uh, listen to songs and have like you get to you know hear what they have to say. Like I know that's mm-hmm. like the whole point of this podcast, but when it's actually happening, like. This is making me like a song that I've never heard before. If I heard this like any other time, I might have like, you know, yeah, shrugged it off or something. I love that. And with this song, I would say like this was made in the 70s, right? Yeah. It doesn't sound like it was made in the 70s. Like how you were saying with the Goonies has that, you know, that 80s sounding song. Uh-huh. It's very like it dates it with the music. But this I feel like could have been made today. It's timeless in that way. Yeah. But I could be, I don't know. Do you see that? Yeah, one? I think so. I mean, it's like, quirky i think it feels very 70s but it doesn't feel like stuck in the 70s mm. i think this, i like a lot of movies from the 70s because they were weird and they like took like made big moves and made yeah. took risks and stuff and it doesn't always work <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean i feel like i don't know i i, I think there's like uh if you ever seen um silent runnings mm-hmm I haven't seen Cool Runnings either. Is that the prequel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't seen either, actually. It's got a needle drop in it, and it's like a Joan Baez song that I think is really bad in the movie. Mm. It either really worked or it really didn't in the 70s for me. Mm. It was like, But when it really works, it's like nothing they do now because they just couldn't. Like now what they do is just like needle drops. And I, w- I want to talk about needle drops kind of at the end because those are my honorable mentions of times i thought it was done really really well right and needle drops for those who don't know just when a commercial song is licensed and used in a movie and what when i don't like them is when it's like a very on the nose i don't know like they're getting like an army together and they play seven nation army for like 15 (laughs) seconds and then just like cut in the middle of a song like cut to another scene like it's like it's just like nails on a chalkboard to Mm -hmm. me so I like it when music's allowed to breathe through a soundtrack and tracks are allowed to play out. And I'll get to that in my yeah my honorable mentions. A lot of comedies do needle drops 15 seconds. Like you're, they're guilty of the 15 second stuff. Yeah. Because you're not there to like listen to a, you know. I mean, if it's played for laughs, I'll, I'm fine with it. But. Yeah. Can we move on? Yeah. Mine? On the 70s theme, 
I picked a song from a movie and the movie, I think the song or the movie was released in 1980, but the music was made in the 70s and it's mm-hmm. obviously very heavily 70s inspired. The singer is Shelley Duvall and the song's called He Needs Me and it's from the movie Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is an insane sentence I just said, but I've been watching Altman movies and... I've been wanting to watch Popeye again. That's really weird. (laughs) (laughs) It's been so long since I saw it. This movie is so crazy. Like, it's just like, it's not great, but like, there's so many like weirdly great things about it, but overall it's kind of a mess. But I I watched this interview of Altman um, when he was talking about this song specifically and he was just like, yeah, I wanted Shelly to sing it. I didn't want any stand-ins because, you know, Shelly doesn't have like a great voice and that's what I wanted. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, Wow. Okay, and he's like, but I wanted the music to be the best part. So he he like got a actual band. I can't remember who the band was, but he got like I think like people from different bands to make music for his his movie because oh, he wanted cool. the music for Popeye to be actually good. That being said, I think she did really good for this song, not being a singer, and I think that the song is actually like very beautiful in this in a sense. And all at once I knew, I knew at once. So in the I scene, me. what's her character's name? Olive Oil. Olive Oil. I remember this song now. Yeah. Until the day I die, I won't know why I knew he needed me. She's singing about Popeye. <laughs> voice is really good or maybe it's because he needs me 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 yeah this song is coming back to me so hard mm-hmm. when I watched it. it's really good it sticks out amongst like all the other songs because Popeye's a musical apparently weird doesn't need to be <laughs> movie is so weird like i recommend it just for like a crazy watch yeah i want to see it again the plot is they find a baby her and popeye they find one yeah and they decide that they both need to take care of this baby but they want different things for the baby well, that was robin williams i talked over it And it's like, what Maybe is that? It's, <laughs> it's like they don't get married. <laughs> like they just like are okay. We were these kids' parents, and we're gonna raise them in different ways. And she's singing about Popeye because Popeye leaves her, and he's like, I don't need you. But then he's like all depressed and miserable, and then yeah. she's all happy, like sees how sad he is. I finally felt that someone needed me. Now I need to. Is there a Shelley Duvall album I need to find? Now? <laughs> right. through like a Shelley Duvall obsession uh-huh. which was perfect because I was also going through an Altman obsession and then she's he casted her in all his movies like he was the one that found her oh I didn't know that yeah and so like he, she's in a lot of his movies she's not great in this movie <laughs> every performance in this movie is so over the top like I can't not recommend and recommend this movie enough yeah but when you're saying about like she doesn't have a great singing voice. Yeah. I, I'm almost, I find myself kind of drawn to that in sometimes, sometimes yeah. when it's done like how she was singing. Right. When you can hear them hitting the limits of their voice, but it still sounds good. Mm-hmm. 
but you know that they're pushing the limits yeah, of their yeah. voice. I like that for some reason. Like I remember um, David Byrne from Talking Heads. Yeah. He believes people more when they can't sing very well hmm. when they sing. Because that's... Yeah, sorry. Because it's it's not a affectation. It's not like a... I don't know. I have a lot of respect for people who can sing really well, but there's people who can sing really well and they know that how you sing is by just barely, by making a cavity, the right size cavity in your mouth and you barely have mm. to open your mouth and it sounds beautiful. But for me, I like it when someone is really pushing themselves and like not really good at it and <laughs> <laughs> hitting the limits of their voice. Like one of my favorite bands, like, from the 80s, the guy's voice is always just breaking and he's just pushing it to the edge, like trying to sing really well. And it's endearing somehow and not annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I wish I could figure out how you get to that point. But Who was that? Who had been? Uh, Edwin Collins from Orange Juice. And... I think it's Edward Cullen from Twilight. Yes, that that's, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Don't worry. Edwin Collins from Orange Juice? Yeah. Hmm. And then he did his his solo stuff in like the nineties. Oh, okay. I want to listen to his music now. Yeah, but I didn't pick any of his songs. Neither did you, because the next song you picked was. So it's by a group of a collective of Japanese students. Um, I'm gonna really mess this one up. Gianoa Yamashiro Gumi. Hmm. Um, so they're a bunch of Japanese students that study different cultures, um, instruments and singing styles. And they would make albums of, of percussion and different singing styles. And then, um, Otomo, the creator and director of Akira, uh, commissioned them to do the music for Akira and just told them to go nuts, do whatever they wanted. Oh, wow. There was no budget. They just had to have it done within like six six months, I think. Wow. This is the theme for the protagonist. No, no, antagonist of the movie. And it's supposed to kind of show him. He's being corrupted by this power he has. But in the movie, he starts out as like the weakest person. And it feels the themes of like being weak and um, childhood and abandonment. So it's supposed to kind of have both childlike qualities to it and then very powerful qualities to it too. I thought that was kind of cool. And it just got me hooked on like choral arrangements and <laughs> different <laughs> kinds of singing, like weird percussion in movies. And yeah, I really like it. goes on for a while more back into kind of like the more childlike part of the song i like it um i've I, seen this movie before i saw it with you yeah <laughs> this is another movie we saw <laughs> another movie i'm like you don't need to watch the movie just listen to the soundtrack <laughs> um the the group does a lot of like percussion and different singing styles and um like breathe singing and throat singing and i'm really obsessed with different kinds of singing weird kinds of singing like that um and yeah i've i'm kind of realizing i like really like 
over overbearing soundtracks and like soundtracks that like are like the focal point of the movie like mm. when you're watching something yeah they don't just kind of like fade into the background so I'm learning stuff about myself it's like a group of um it's, the band is Genoa Yamashuragumi Mm-hmm. And it started out as just a collective of Japanese students oh, okay. who would um, who were studying like different cultures, percussion and singing styles and stuff, and they just incorporate them, kind of like mash them up. Like early, like eighties, like digital computer editing on it. Like so, if you listen to their albums, it's a lot of this kind of stuff. And and some kind of like early, um, not not techno, but like computer editing that you can pick out pretty clearly. <laughs> but it's still it's, it sounds pretty good. I, don't know, I just like I like it when you see someone just go so into their creation that it takes like a like 20 years of their life <laughs> to complete mm-hmm. it yeah in its final form yeah and i think this music kind of like pairs well with that because it's just spans so many different cultures and so many different styles and um yeah i think it goes well with the movie it's nothing you'd it's nothing i'd ever heard before too mm-hmm. the, yeah. this isn't even the opening track i almost picked the opening track which is a little more accessible even than this but it's just it starts out and like it's just a lot of percussion and xylophone or marimba i'm not positive exactly what they're using but like it's nothing you ever hear in movies yeah we're uh we're going for the deep pools in this episode we could pick duel the fates yeah an amazing star wars song sure i mean we didn't really talk about this but when i was making my list i was like I'm going to pick songs I love, but also I feel like, you know, songs that I, people haven't heard before. Maybe you haven't heard before. Yeah. So we can introduce each other to songs. Um, that being said, I have heard this song, but I didn't know any of that information that you just said. So, and I, I, yeah, uh, I feel like, I feel like I'm being pretentious about this too. Like we should just pick, we should just like <laughs> play it down the middle. What are we doing? I don't but think so. Really, because dude, you love this it. Is, this is stuff that's changed how I view music. Like, yeah whether good or bad and that's what i i mean when i say like at the top was like the stuff i picked isn't like happy music Mm. in happy parts of songs that doesn't move me i'm 36 years old it's it's probably never gonna move me (laughs) i mean that olive oil song was fantastic and i did love it and i do i do love like nice like bright and cheery things yeah but i mean i guess from like from years ago this stuff has just really shaped what i listen to going forward and in mm. when i'm looking for like international music or you know with my last pick yeah um yeah i guess all three of these are from other countries so trying to kind of like find stuff that um i haven't heard before and kind of broaden broaden horizons and i think it's I think it's really nice when you're able to just like hear something you've never heard before. Mm-hmm. I agree. That being said, let's bring it back to America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good old USA. Let's bring it back to maybe 2010, something a little bit more in the mainstream. So <laughs> for my next pick, I chose a, a song performed in, I don't know how to, I don't know how you would say this, like orchestrated or just put together mm-hmm. by uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Uh, called The song's called In Motion, and it was for the movie The Social Network. And I chose this song because this is my, this is this one's a little bit more superficial. I, I mean, it all is, but like, it's just straight up just like my jam mm-hmm. and like a, a very motivational like it, this is what I would listen to if I'm like working out or like 
um, trying to get like a task done. Okay. Like it doesn't give me so much inspiration, but just motivation uh-huh. to finish whatever I'm doing. Just because it's just like it's like the hype beast. Yeah. For me. <laughs> I drive and beat. Mm-hmm. Maybe it does give me motivation. So I do listen to this song when I'm thinking of like when I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Have you heard the song before? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I think so. Yes, now I recognize it. like that this is like how do you how do you score coding yeah exactly and the answer the answer is you have to like make it compelling (laughs) like yeah and this does it yes that's good that plays into my last pick we'll we'll get into it a little bit it's like how if you're presented with this like okay he's uh he's making code yeah it's like uh I'm gonna, cause you can get very stereotypical with it too. You can go very like robotic, mm-hmm. which I don't. I think this rides the line of you know, obviously electric music. Mm-hmm. put it in my list because i just love it so much yeah but it's not even so much like a like a deep meaning behind it it's just a a song that i listen to like at least every month this is a this is another example of something that's just very prominent in the mix like Mm -hmm. when you're watching this you're watching and you're hearing this you're not just like having it bleed into the background like yep. you remember this I remember you it. see the movie exactly because there's no like dialogue going on in any of it I think there's like maybe like, a couple lines but yeah. they make sure that this is uh, this is what you're hearing Second beer. What did uh? What beers did you drink? 
We're not doing mixed drinks today. We're doing yeah. Beers. I had a um, what is it? Oh, a Schwartz beer. Mm-hmm. And, What's it called? Uh, the Goth Beach Party. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. there's a sweet picture on it too. Like a what kind of beer is that? A Schwartz beer. <laughs> what is that? It's just a dark lager. Oh, okay, okay. Um, what'd you think? Yeah, it was good. It tasted like a Schwartz beer. Okay. <laughs> uh, for my first one, I went with Tropic Haze Indian Pale Ale by Silver City Brewery. And I believe that's in that's in Washington. Yeah. Can't remember where, though. I think on the peninsula? Yes, I think so. I think you're right. Maybe Gig Harbor. It doesn't really... Really Where are breweries, man? I right. Mean, I went to a um, but I will. I went to the, oh Bremerton. It's in Bremerton. I went to a a comic, a live recording, uh, of a of a podcast at a comic book store, and Silver C- City Brewery sponsored it. Mm-hmm. So shout out to them. Maybe you should sponsor our <laughs> podcast. I'm gonna go with Skunk Ape. I I R A Ira. Boneyard beer. Ooh, that would have paired well with the um, Duck You Sucker oh. song. Because the one dude is in the IRA, IRA and that's why I had to flee to Mexico. <laughs> what is the IRA? I read it on the can. I forgot what it was. But what is IRA? Irish red ale? ale? No, but I mean, like, what is the IRA? Oh. <laughs> 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 They're, uh, it's like the Catholics versus the Protestants in, in Northern Ireland. They're just a terrorist group. Oh, <laughs> just was, a terrorist group. Was, they used to they bomb cars and stuff. And oh, there's the troubles. You honestly, like, you ever hear about the troubles? In no. Ireland? Okay. But when you were saying IRA, I was thinking of the NRA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, close. Very militants. Like their guns. Mm-hmm. That that's good. I All like right. that. I thought it was going to be more. Um. um bad (laughs) (laughs) and i'm having a oh man i am having a red cap irish style of red ale we really just sequenced this this horribly (laughs) (laughs) yeah we did but this is good though i like this with uh my last pick and i'm really yeah you 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 had that one motivating you Mm -hmm. let me let me bring you back down (laughs) yeah i'm picking some downers but (laughs) This one, <laughs> this one is by Hilder Gudendotter, mm. Gudendotter, I believe is how you say her name. She's Icelandic composer, um, mm. and she made the music for Chernobyl, the miniseries on HBO. Mm. And the song I picked is "Corridors," and it's uh, it's a real, it's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing? Yeah. So they shot this recreation of what happened in Chernobyl in Lithuania and in the in the working um, nuclear plant that they shot this. She went there and recorded everything. Oh, really? So she just went with the uh, field mics and just recorded the machines um, recorded through walls, like any noises she could catch. This is, it's all made from field recordings from a, a power plant. Wow. Wait, they still have power plants over there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Chernobyl kept running till like 2004 because that was only one plant in Chernobyl there was oh. like it was like Chernobyl 4 or something that blew and they kept all the others running wow um, it's like your last pick it's like how do you depict someone coding um, how do you just de- how do you depict radiation? Because the only noise mm-hmm. we correlate with uh, radiation is just like a Geiger counter. Yeah. So you can't use that in your music. It's yeah. gonna be 
hacky, obviously. So how do you just like create a sense of just overwhelming dread because mm-hmm. this is around you and it's you know probably tearing you up inside and it's yeah it was just a really gut punch of a soundtrack yeah But honestly, I could listen to this stuff all day. (laughs) This This stuff just puts me in a place where I'm just like zoned out and feeling good. (laughs) I don't know why. That last part was very reminiscent to just noise music. Yeah. I I, I like the uh, loud, soft aspect of of it. And just kind of like the... It really makes you feel... Like there's radiation all around you. Yeah. <laughs> it's really unsettling if you're watching it and listening to it too. The soft pulsing noise. Yeah. It's definitely unnerving. And I love that just everything was, was captured from just field recordings mm-hmm. and then put together into into music. And if you watch the show, the show is very, very heavy. And they did a very good job at setting the uh, tone and just like the surroundings, having you feel the the threat of what everyone is facing yeah. when Chernobyl exploded. Yeah, it's as much about it's as much about the radiation that you can't escape from as it is the just bureaucracy and just world government turning a blind eye to people that you can't mm-hmm. escape from. Too. Yeah. It's just it's so oppressive. I haven't listened to that album or I haven't listened to the soundtrack at all, but it's really good. I think but it was, I don't know if you, if you like that kind of stuff, it's really good. I think I was just enwrapped in the story when I first watched the show. I've only seen it once, but I bought it. Cause I was like, that's one to own, but you're right. Like, uh, this isn't fun. This movie or the show isn't fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's very sad, but I, uh, I love that. Hmm. I really do love sad things. For me, the show, because it happened in real life, it's almost like a, you know, you know about that event growing up, mm-hmm. but it's almost cathartic kind of knowing and seeing what actually happened. Yeah. Because it's almost like you, you're seeing what happened to these people, and by seeing that and knowing that it happened, you're able to you know, honor them in some way hmm. that, that, that happens, not just forgotten and just yeah. like erased. That could happen again type of thing. Yeah. Like here's a, here's something in history that might happen again. And this is some information you could know you, <laughs> this is how a, a plant works. Yeah. That was the most interesting part to me. I feel like we learned how a nuclear plant works yeah. like, on a surface level. And I would have never known that if the, show hadn't presented in such a yeah. entertaining way and you see the just the complete folly of man too just mm-hmm. like the complete denial the complete like spinning things mm-hmm. in disregard to human life just to save face when someone builds a plant you feel like you would trust them into knowing how to run a plant yeah <laughs> and they just there's greed and there's situations where men have to like screw it up <laughs> yeah i think it'd be a good pairing for me to flip into my first honorable mention oh okay because it's uh, 180 degrees away from this <laughs> okay what do you got it's the american graffiti soundtrack oh <laughs> funny thing you should say that was the very first soundtrack i owned on 
a record. Yeah, I have it too. <laughs> really? Okay, like the big orange one. Yeah, like yeah. Two, um, double. Yeah, double. Uh, and I never saw the movie either. I was just, I, cause you, <laughs> Gabe, you showed me that movie. I've tricked you into these <laughs> situations where you have to admit that I showed you movies. Crazy. No, I love it. Um, yeah, we watched that movie together and I loved it. And, um, but I was really obsessed with that doo-wop music back in yeah. when I got that album, like 2010. Um, what song? Is it just the album in general or? It's, that, that's it was almost one of my picks and it would have made like my picks a little more lighthearted, but mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't land on a song because just to play a song by the original recording of the artist making the song wouldn't do the soundtrack justice. I almost had you play like a clip of the movie mm. because it's so good because the soundtrack is like 40 songs long or something. And it's mm-hmm. all just like the staples from the 60s. Yeah. Um, but the way that they're played is unlike any other movie I've ever seen because like I was saying before with needle drops, and this is a movie just chock full of needle drops. It's all it is. Yeah. There's no other, I don't think there's any other score. But this movie does it so well in a way and in a way that I don't think is ever going to be done again or couldn't be done again in another setting because the songs play. The songs just play through the scenes Mm -hmm. and they'll talk over them. But the reason why they're able to do this is because the songs are playing on the radio. Right. Like there's a DJ that's also like... Wolfman Jack. Yeah. And that was Wolfman Jack in the movie too. And that's like the actual Wolfman Jack who was on who like was a radio personality, but you hear the songs like played through beginning to end usually because they just run through the scenes. And even when like the, the scene I think of the most is when Richard Dreyfuss's character gets kicked out of the car that he's hitching a ride in. And most of the movie takes place in the, in just like the main drag of a little town Yeah. in California. Yeah. And he gets out of the car the song that's playing will keep playing because every car that drives by is listening <laughs> to the same radio station. Yeah. So the song just fades in and out as cars oh. go by. And it's really uh, like, I think it's a masterclass in like mixing and, yeah. and um, production in that way because it just fades out and you'll hear like dialogue over it or there'll be like whooping and like, hollering at like kids mm-hmm. in the background and stuff and then it'll get louder again as the car drives by and you don't really notice it until you're listening for it mm. i don't know how that could ever be done again because that was just such a snapshot and a place and time where that could happen right where everyone would be listening to the same song right in the same place blasting it out of their cars too right well throw my third pick out there Here's the thing, though. I'm going to bring you, it. Huh? Did you hadn't done your third pick yet? No. Oh, shoot. No, it's Sorry. okay. It's okay because uh, I like that you brought it up because I'm going to bring it back now. Oh, <laughs> With, yeah. I'm going to go, go on the same kind of like area you were before. Let's go with an Icelandic singer. Mm, okay. <laughs> and uh, from a movie called Dancer in the oh, Dark. Oh, jeez. This is going to wreck me. <laughs> It's a movie called Dancer in the Dark, but and the it's uh, performed by Bjork. And the before you start this, like <laughs> I was asking Ashley, I was like, "What what soundtracks do I love?" And she's like, "Dancing uh, Dancer in the Dark." And I was like, "I seen that movie once. I bawled my eyes out, and I never watched it again. Why is that the first thing you think of? <laughs> like soundtracks I love." That's awesome because this sound I love. Have you did you listen to the soundtrack? I haven't since I watched. Oh, okay, okay. It really wrecked me. So that movie wrecked me too. It really did, and and I think it just like imprinted like as one of my favorite movies now. But I listened to the soundtrack probably more than I watched the movie. I should listen to the soundtrack again. So what's great about the song I picked, um, called "I've Seen It All," is originally the actor that played opposite of Bjork because Bjork is. Axes. I think this is the only movie she's been in, and she did the soundtrack for it because it's a, technically a musical. And uh, the actor in the movie sang. It's a duet, and he sang the male part. 
Mm-hmm. But then when they did the soundtrack, a uh, Tom York sang the male part. Oh, really? And it's so much more. Be- uh, yeah, like uh, I'm sorry to the actor. I mean, he's an actor. He's not a singer. But they got Tom York to do. The f- if, you, if you can get the York, yeah, <laughs> York, you gotta get the York. And Bjork was uh, Bjork and York. Yeah. And uh, Bjork actually said that she um, was so excited that Tom York said he would do it because he's her favorite male singer, like of all time. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is a moment. But this particular song is sung in the movie. Bjork's character is just, she's going blind mm-hmm. and her boyfriend or at least this guy that's really infatuated with her and he's really kind to her in this scene of the movie they're kind of having a conversation and he's kind of asking her um like don't you want to do all these things with your life but she's kind of like given up on life and you'll understand what i mean when you listen to this song it's it's beautiful also another thing she's going blind so a big part of the movie is her surroundings start to become music to her. Mm-hmm. Because it's like kind of all she has. I've seen it all. I have seen the trees. I have seen the willow leaves dancing in the breeze. I've seen a man killed by his best friend. That were over before they were spent. I've seen what I was, and I know what I'll be. I've seen it all. There is no more to see. Yeah, I, I was like, I should say something about this, but I literally couldn't bring myself to speak over her singing. <laughs> it's like, no. Oh, she's so good. I have seen water, it's water, that's all. The Eiffel Tower, the Empire State. What I was and I know what I've been I've 
So I picked this song because it's from one of my favorite movies and just so happened to be one of my favorite soundtracks. Funny how that goes hand in hand. And I think this is, no, I know, I, this is my favorite duet with a male and female singer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of really good duets out there, but this one like takes the cake for me. It's really good. I hadn't heard this with Tom York. I've, I've only heard the movie version before. Yeah. And the, the actor's not a singer, like I said. And he did he did an okay job. He didn't. He was, he was no Shelley Duvall, but <laughs> <laughs> um, he has like a strong accent. But uh, yeah, this is a uh, the a lot a lot like um, actually corridors the uh, Chernobyl song. The contents of which the song was played was so heavy. So when you're watching the movie, it's just this this message of like. You know, have like, don't you want to like? Have you seen, uh, ha- have you seen the Eiffel Tower, the uh, or the Empire State Building? Mm-hmm. Like, don't you want to see that? And she's like, well, my pulse was high, was just as high on my very first date. So it's like she's kind of just like, I've done these, like, yeah, I don't need to see those things. I don't need to experience. I've I've already experienced these things. I've seen my life from beginning, middle to end, and I don't need to move forward. And it's so depressing. (laughs) It's so (laughs) sad that she's accepted this life of like going blind. Yeah. And like, I don't need to do these things because, you know, I already see my future and I'm not going to be able to see it all. And it's just, it just, it's hopeless. So good though. (laughs) So sad. And so good. Yeah. But yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right, Gabe. Thank you for doing this double shot episode, yeah. sharing these beers, sharing your music, and I hope people out there will listen to these songs and maybe uh, have yeah. a new appreciation for it. Get in a good headspace for some of them before you, yeah, before you listen. Be like, hey, this is just a song. I'm not actually being <laughs> bombarded with radiation or having a. <laughs> You know, going blind, going blind, or having a biomechanical explosion of growth out of my body. I'm <laughs> um, just listening to a song. Right. All right. Well, let's head out. All right. <laughs>